Uh, we just thank you. You are such a good God, and we thank you for this time of worship that we've had together. Lord, we just ask you to be with us here in your word, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, as we talk about such an important uh, subject today. Lord, that your word would be just so real to us and so encouraging, but yet so sharp in our hearts, Lord. Father, I pray that you would bless um, the single people here today that are waiting for their perfect person. Actually, never going to be that perfect person, but you know what I mean. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the married people here as they get into this word, that they would see their roles and their responsibility in their marriage, that they would come and seek you, uh, Father God, so that they would do a job well done. And Lord, I pray for those that have, hard, have had hardships in their marriage, and maybe their marriages are separated, maybe their marriages have ended up in divorce, Maybe there's some marriages right now that are just in the brink and they're hanging on a very, very fine line, just a thin line. And they're on the brink of divorce. And Lord, the Bible says that you hate, and, and I say that properly, you hate divorce. So Lord, I pray that you would be their strength so that they would learn today. The one that has already divorced, that you would be their strength, that you would tell them that you have not given up on them and that you still love them and that you still give them peace and you still have a future for them, that that was not the end of their life. So I pray that in all today that you would be glorified because there's not words that I can say that could try to reach every angle, but your spirit and your word does that perfectly so that we don't have to. So Lord, be glorified. Let your word be spoken correctly and give me the grace to share this word today. Cast out every distraction, every lie of the enemy, and every lie of our flesh. And that you, O oh Lord, would speak with that double-edged sword today. We praise your name, and it's in Jesus Christ we pray. And together as a church we say, amen. amen. God is good. Amen. All the time. I miss you guys. I hope everyone survived um, the tropical storm that really didn't pass by. Just rained a little bit. I think we could have had church last Sunday. I had a lot of text messages from you guys. Worried. And, and me and my wife were like, they kind of want to cancel church, so let's just help them out and let's, <laughs> let's just cancel it for them. But uh, we still love you. We thank you for coming back today that the hurricane, the tropical storm didn't really uh, affect it too much. And um, amen. We just pray that you're blessed today in the word. Today is our, our fourth installment, part four of our series for war series. And um, if you're taking notes, this is the title of today's message. The title is For Better or For Worse. I'll never forget that phrase. Because I wake up next to a woman every day that as I turn and I see her face, I remember that I said that one day on an altar. And I said it in a beach, and that was my altar, the beach, like literally sand and water at a beach on my wedding day. And um, I know that that wedding day was a symbolic day for me. And it was a day that the heavens would never forget and would always judge me on and would always hold me accountable on. And there was a day when... The pastor was marrying us, and I said my vows to my wife, and my wife said her vows to me. And part of our vows in that long paragraph of vows, if I've married some of you guys here, you know what we're talking about. There was a phrase in there, and it's for better or for worse. And that phrase has stuck on me because I, that, should I use the handheld again? Amen. Where is it? Um, as we're walking down that aisle, the last thing 
that was on my mind was, you know, everyone always tells me, you know, marriage is going to be a great thing. And then for other people will come up to me and say, marriage is also going to be a very hard thing. Any married people? Thank you, Ali. Um, any people here uh, could say, yeah, I agree. Married has been a blessing, but my God, married, being married has been hard. Some of you husbands are so scared to raise your hand right now. <laughs> Should I raise it? She's right next to me, man. <laughs> but I said something that day, for better or for worse, and, and it's hard. I can't go back on that. You know what I'm saying, Robert? I, I, I have to understand that as I look at my wife now, we're going to have better times. And then we're going to have worse times. Today's message is not to discourage the one that has been broken. Maybe you've gone through a marriage. This is a hard message to preach, by the way. I need God's grace, so as you're there sitting there, just pray and intercede for me. Because I know there's people here that hurt today as I share this message. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want them to hurt more as they leave here. I want them to be strengthened more as they leave here. And that's my heart. And then I know there's some marriages in here that are just destroyed. Destroyed, as you see, as I get into my message. And my prayer is that Man, seriously, as we see it in God's word, that we would just fix it already. And then there's some marriages here that are doing pretty good and doing great. And I pray that this is a blessing and a reminder to you how to allow it to continue to get better. Amen? You know, I'm going to just make you laugh a little bit before we get into the message. I think it's working now, so we'll see. There, there's a quote that someone says this, marriage is an adventure, and I like it because it has to do with our series name. And he said this, marriage is like an adventure. It's like going to war. Uh, pretty true. And then one person said, my wife and I were happy for 20 years, and then we got married. And that's the one that I was like, uh-oh. I'm not going to say that's me because I've only been married for three years. So, so that's not me. I didn't say that. Amen? But as I share this message, maybe you're one of these people like, man, my marriage has been a war. My marriage, man, I was happy. I got married. I thought it was supposed to be for happier ever after. Like Disney World always plays it in all these Shrek movies. But it's not working. It's not uh, happy ever after what, what happened to me. See, this message today, um, when, I, when I prepared it, it wasn't really designed to fully explain marriage or to teach on marriage with this little time that we have today. But, but the truth is, as I share this message, it was to show the importance of fighting for your marriage and fighting for your family. And that's kind of what I really want to get across today. Because we live in a time in which God's design of marriage, and you could probably agree with me, has been polluted, right? Right? It's just been totally uh, polluted. And it's even been altered, altered with what today's modern um, gadgets and inventions and even technology. It's just marriage has just had um, this altering effect to it. Think about this. Rarely do we see today a family sit and eat together at the dinner table. Maybe you're one of those, like, now nah, my family, we do it all. Good for you, man. Like, that's awesome. Keep it up. But rarely, rarely do you see a family sit down and eat together at the dinner table. The dinner table has become a decoration piece furniture rather than a place where the family sits down to eat and to talk and to laugh with one another the way that it used to be before. Right? I'm preaching to myself. Instead, we're on our phones and we're on our gadgets, on our devices. 
We're playing our games or we're always in a hurry, in a hurry, in a hurry, and we can't even sit down and enjoy family anymore, sit down and enjoy our spouses anymore, sit down and talk to our children about how did your day go today? If you notice, kids today hardly ever talk anymore to their parents. How was your day? Good, awesome. Dinner will be ready soon. That is the longest conversation in some homes. And it was never like that before. Because they go to their bedroom and they play their games and they put their devices on their ears and they play against people in China and people across the world. And they speak to people across the world playing games like modern warfare, I don't know what. And, and, and they forget to say, you know what, let me sit and talk with mom and dad and my brother and my sister and, and just laugh and, and have a good time. Laughter, it's like medicine to our bones, the Bible says. Laughing's good. Heals the spirit, amen? Think about marriages, marriages of those who, who were best friends. Notice the word were, who were best friends. They were soulmates. They used to vacation together. And check this out. They actually used to like it. Any married people understand what I'm saying? They used to make one another laugh because it meant the world. Marriages that had its fights only to experience the pleasures of making up. But now, so many of these marriages, they're turned into enemies. They sleep on the opposite sides of the house, and they're bitter towards one another. I'm just going to stay looking down. And each is, is too prideful to work at making it better. Instead, they're miserable. They go from sharing all things together to slowly dividing all things. Scary. They go from screams of laughter to yells of anger. They go from making love to making war in the home. So I ask this question today, where are today's marriages? Will we war and will we fight for today's marriage? And that is so important. I truly believe that it is time for the family to come back and it is time for the marriages to come back. Can God's people say amen? I was getting a little worried. I was wondering if you guys were agreeing with me, but, but it's time. And if you've lost a marriage, it's time to, to, to be a model to another marriage and, and teach the younger generation of what marriage is. It's time to do it right. It's time to raise family right. I'm going to share a quote from George Barna. Who, who directed this study, put this study together, and look what he notes. He notes that Americans have grown comfortable with divorce as a natural part of life. And look what George Barna uh, says. It says, there, is, there no longer seems to be much of a stigma attached to divorce. It is now seen as an unavoidable rite of passage. I interviewed young adults, and they suggested that they want their initial marriage to last. But they are not particularly optimistic about the possibility. There is also evidence that many young people are moving toward embracing the idea of what is called serial marriage. In which a person gets married two or three times seeking a different partner for each phase of their adult life. End quote. Okay. As you read that and as I, you heard that quote. People have lost the meaning and the value of marriage and a family. You know, Hebrews, if you're taking notes, chapter 13, verse 4 says this. It says, it says this, that marriage is honorable among all. That's, that's a good scripture right there. You know, maybe you're young today. 
And one day, as a young person, you're like, I want to get married one day, and I want to do it right. I say amen to you. Amen to you. And you need to listen to today's message. Because I truly believe that, that a lot of young people got this misunderstanding of what marriage is. And I don't think you're truly going to always under, you're not going to understand all of marriage before you get married. A lot of understanding marriage is going to take place once you get married, right? All married people say, amen, yeah. But there's a misconception of young people that want to get married. And they, and they get into marriage many times for the, for the wrong reason. Uh, Christian couples, they get it so that they don't burn in their passions. And, and you know that that passion eventually just dwindles away when you get married. And when the bed no longer is hot anymore and the bed starts to become cold, if you don't love that person that you're sleeping next to and it wasn't founded in God's love, you know what's going to happen when that passion dwindles away? That marriage starts dwindling away. Because what keeps you in a marriage is not sex, but what keeps you in a marriage, young people, is that this is the rib of mine, and this is the rib cage of mine. He put her in my life, and he put she in my life. God joined us together, and what God has put together, let no man separate, whether she's sex or not sex, or whether he has sex or not sex, to, for better or for worse, is the decision I made, and I will marry someone because that's the one that God has joined me with and so many times we got the wrong understanding of what marriage is other times we do it for many other reasons reasons that you know why maybe you want to get married but I promise you that the Bible even says in Ecclesiastes that when two come together greater is their force mightier is their force you know it's to help one another. It's to uplift one another. Some of the greatest blessings is as I've hung out with some of the marriages and even other friends of ours that are marriages, that you get to see how they lift one another up. Yes, they have problems. And yes, they have struggles. But what a blessing it is to see that when hardship comes, they don't give up on one another. And the other lifts the other one up. That's what marriage is. They never give up. But they stay together. Marriage is honorable among all and do we understand the importance of marriage? And I love this because speaking to you today is a product of a broken marriage. And I'm blessed to tell you today that I know what it is to be a son from that. And, and, and I could speak to you from firsthand experience. And I love my father and my mother, and today they're both Christians, they're both on fire for God. And I could share this today saying, cool, and we're all good, and we just love each other now. But I could share this with some of you sons and daughters that come from broken homes or, or from homes that are always fighting. And I could share this to some of you now that are parenting children without your spouse next to you. And I could say, I, I could give you some, some little nuggets because I've been there. And I've seen it as a young man growing up. I want to share some scripture with you before we get into all these things. And, and this is going to be the root of my message. And it's in Ephesians 5. And you already know where I'm going. And I want to read verses 22. And I'm going to go all the way to verse 32. And I'm going to break them up into little sections, if, if you don't mind. In Ephesians, Ephesians 5.22, I, I just got blessed with this. Because this is what's going to happen right now. Ready? Some of you people are going to read this. Here he goes. He's just going to start bashing the women. And I know it because when I was preparing the message, I go, for a fact, as soon as I show this, all the girls are going to be like, oh, really? You're just going to start with us, right? You're just going to tell all the men how we need to just bow down to them, right? And, and I know it for sure. As soon as I put that verse up there, that's what you thought. Uh-huh, I know where you are. You don't even have an idea of which route I'm going. Because you know what happened to me when I was studying Ephesians 5? Watch this. 
I started to realize that it talks more about the man than it really does about the woman. I promise you it does. You see, you might read it and you're like, not me. When I read it, I see it only talks about the woman. And that's because you're reading it wrong. It talks about the woman. But I promise you, it talks probably more about the man than it does about the woman. Let's just jump into it, right? Ephesians 5 says this. It says, for wives, this is what this means, ready? This is what marriage means. It means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now the men say, you're all scared. Look at you. I'm going to say it, bro. She said she's cooking tonight. I ain't saying it. All right, here we go. This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I mean, that's a huge sentence already. That's, that's, that's big already because if I'm a woman and I'm, re- and I'm reading Ephesians 5.22 and I'm saying marriage means this, to submit your husband as unto the Lord. I'm already like, I give up. I can't do that. I can never do that. I always mess around. My wife, my wife, who cares? She, my wife always gets mad at me when I say this, but at the house I mess with her and I say, you got to start calling me Lord around the house. <laughs> but let me explain to you why I say that. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. Sarah walked around her house and she was called Abraham and say, Lord, food's ready. So sometimes, you know, when things are a little edgy, I want to make her like laugh. So I thought it made her laugh. It doesn't make her laugh, but I'm like, where you go? I'm like, call me Lord. Lord, please come over here. And she's, and I forgot, she always says something back. Well, when you start, let's, let's not say that part. All right. I'll call you Lord when you, I forgot what she says. I just forgot it off the top of my head, but. But Sarah called Abraham Lord, but whatever. But serious here. Wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Check this out. You know how you submit to the Lord. You know how you pray to the Lord. You know how you tell them your deepest secrets. You know how you say, Lord, have all of me. Have all of my heart. Take me. Let me live in the center of your will. Well, wives, wives, this is what you do. Ready? The same way that you submit to the Lord, it is the same way that you submit to your husbands. This is big because you're gonna, some of you are like, yeah, right. How do you do that? Well, let me keep getting into the message. Verse 23 says, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Watch this. Christ, he's the savior of his body and of the church. Let me keep going. 24 says, and as the church submits to Christ, here it goes to the women again. Wives, you should submit your husb- to your husbands in what? In what? In everything. In everything. Be careful, Eli. I said amen loud. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> hey, today's one of those days you don't say amen, bro. <laughs> Only say when I say, everyone says, then you say it. <laughs> I'm just hoping you could. Today's Sunday, tomorrow's Labor Day, it's a long weekend. <laughs> Woo! All right. <laughs> Let's get into this. I'm going to share this, my thoughts with you. Here it is. Break this down. Wives, submit to your husbands to the Lord. Husbands, you're the head of the wife. as Christ is the head of the church. I love this. You submit women to your husband as you submit to the Lord. But, but, but husbands, but husbands, you're the head of your wife. The way that Christ is the head of the church. This is big. And then don't, don't only forget that he's the head of the church, but, but did I leave this out? Comma, he is also savior of the body and comma of the of the church. Wow. 
You know, I read that verse and I say, yes, it talks a lot about wives. And it talks about the woman's role, that the woman's role has to have this submissive spirit, this submissive heart to, to come under her husband's leadership and come under her, her husband's authority and to come under her husband's parenting and come under, come under her husband's lordship over the house. But, but watch this. How can us husbands think that a woman can function in her role as a woman to come and be submissive under us and to submit? Because that's the role that it's saying here. Woman's role is to submit, to give yourself over to him. How can the woman do that when the man himself is lacking in the responsibility that God has given him? You see, us men tell our wives very quickly, you need to submit to me. And very quickly, the wives are looking right back at them and say, well, you then you need to lead me. You want me to submit, but then you got to lead me. And don't just lead me like I'm your daughter. Rover, come here. You lead me the way Christ leads the church. You mean that's serious? That's serious because that's what Ephesians says. You take me serious the way that Christ took it serious. You lead me the way he does it. You want me to fulfill my role and submit to you, but man, you got you to gotta fulfill your responsibility. And watch this, watch this. You got to be the head of your house. You got to be the head of your house. You got to be the leader of your house. Watch this. Can I ask you this question today, man? Are you the savior of your household? The way that Christ is the savior of the church. Can your children and your future children look at you and say, Daddy, man, he's my shelter. He's my place of safety. He's the place where I could run to. He's like a savior to me on earth. Because I want you to know this. Every night that your wife lays her head on that pillow, she realizes that the man that she married that day, that she's married to that day, went to bed again like a wimp. Like a wimp. He lacked in his responsibilities to lead the household the way Christ led the church. So as I share this message today, this is what I pray, that you will make a commitment today. And that in your commitment today, you will say this, I'm committed to this marriage. And I like this, ready? I'm committed to this marriage for better or for worse. And watch this. And I text you guys with this stuff. I'm committed to this marriage and to this family the same way Christ is committed to me. And if you study this book anyway, anyhow, you would realize that Christ is committed to you for better or for worse. Because there's been days that I've been sucky and there's been days that you've been sucky. But Christ never gave up on you. Yeah? Yeah? And there's been days where I've been rotten and I smell. And Christ looks at you and says, this marriage that I have for you, it's for better or for worse. I haven't given up on you. And then there's days that I'm doing good for Christ. I'm evangelizing. I think I'm doing good. You know, my righteousness is like a filthy rag and stuff like that. But, but I think I'm doing well. And, and I just had a meeting with someone for five hours. And I led them to the Lord. And, and man, I just prayed and, and for two hours. And I fasted for one day. And my God, I did all the things to do as a Christian. And, and God still says, listen, listen, whatever you go through, whether it's for better or for worse, it doesn't matter how much works you do, I'm still committed to you. And then we look at our marriages and we look at our children. And can we say the same thing to her, to him? And say, this is for better or for worse. There's going to be days that her breath will smell. 
Not my wife. Her breath always smells good, but, but there's going to be times where your breath will smell. Your life will smell, and her life will smell, and your kids will smell, and that happens a lot. But you look at your family, and you say, I'm committed to this because Christ is committed to me, and I'm going to struggle through this, and I'm going to fight for this, and I'm going to confront issues in this, and I'm going to sit my wife, and I'm going to sit my husband, and I'm going to sit my sons and my daughters down, and we're going to open up the word of God, and we're going to start making this stuff better because a house that prays together, they will stay together. A house that is united will stand, but a house that is divided will fall. I will not allow this to be another divided house. I will fight for my marriage, and I will fight for my family, and I will fight for my child, but he's on drugs. I don't care. I'm going to get down to the dirt. I know a woman that goes down to the dirt and picks up her son in crack homes and picks up her son in crack houses when she should be strangling him, when she should be pulling off her hairs. But I know this woman because he's very close to my family. And on Saturday nights, he calls her without even knowing where he's at. She needs to call different drug dealers to find out where her son is at. Where's my son? Knowing that in those crack homes, if she just steps a foot in there, they could kill her, but it doesn't stop her because she lives every day fighting for her son and for her son's salvation. How are you fighting for your children? How are you fighting for your husband? How are you fighting for your wife? It's time to make war. It's time to make war. It's time to make war. It's time to get dirty. I know they can mess up, and I know there's downfalls, and I know there's stench, but my God, do we give up that easy because I was in the miry clay, and I was dirty and nasty, and I was sinning yet knowing God, and I was rotten yet knowing God, and I still am rotten yet knowing God, and I fall short of the glory of God every day, and I turn my back on God every day. Yes, your pastor does, but God still looks at me in the eyes and says, Regal, I'm committed to you for better or for worse so I can't look at my wife and say you really ticked me off so I'm thinking about divorce it's never because it's for better or for worse we're in this together we're in this together and if you're a young person and you want to get married, listen to me. Marriage is one of the biggest blessings in your life. But I'm going to tell you right now that marriage is one of the biggest struggles in your life. Why? Because daily you fight to make it work. Yeah, you do. Because Jesus is married to the bride. But Jesus also got beat up for the bride. His back was open wide. He was hung for shame on a cross. And all that was because he was committed. And he said, you think this marriage between me and you is easy? That's what Jesus says. It's not easy. Look at the cross and remember the cross and remember the road to the cross. I got destroyed because I love you, baby. And Jesus says, I've been in your life for better or for worse. Have you not read the Gospels? And here we are, just one thing. I'm trying to be clean with my language. It ticks us off. Not, not, not I'm going to curse, but just trying to use the right words. Say, oh, my God, he curses outside of church. Oh, amen. <laughs> relax. Okay, relax. But what I'm trying to say is notice the commitment that Christ has. <coughs> Realize the commitment that you have. Verse 25 says, for husbands, for husbands, this means that you love your wives as Christ loves the church. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. Listen, husbands, he gave up his what for her? Mm -hmm. 
He gave up his life for her. And why did he do this? Well, he did this because verse 26 says, he did this to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. 27, he, he did this so that he would present her to himself as a glorious church. Without a spot, without a wrinkle, or any other blemish. Instead, that she will be holy and without fault. That's big. That's big because it shows man's responsibility over his wife. And man's discipleship over his wife. And man's leading his wife. And man's controlling over his wife where, where he says, listen, listen. This is how we live. And this is where we do not go. And this is the line. And this is how we're going to raise the kid. And you guys come in agreement. And the wife follows the leadership steps that you take. Because you are doing it in a Christ-like manner. You are doing it in biblical obedience. And here comes the woman. And she submits. Not because you are, um, what's the word? I only know it in Spanish. Huh. What is that called? How do you say it in English? You know, um, when you, huh? The word in Spanish, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're the man over the woman, what's that called? Love, we always say, machista. How do you say that in English? Who? Oh, showing this? Show what? Machista. And that's not when the women submit. The women are to submit when the man displays Christ. And there is marriage difficult it is and is it hard to display Christ all times yes it is but watch this husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church how how do I how did he love the church how did he do it well he did it by this by laying down his life by not only laying it down by giving it up for her and he did this to make her holy clean washed glorious to present her glorious spot without wrinkle free without blemish so that she would be holy without fault men how are we doing in this have you given up your life for your wife it almost rhymes right it rhymes Time goes into this, conversing goes into this, sacrifice goes into this, giving up your life goes into this. Woman, you will never be able to be this submissive woman. I mean, women, this man will never be able, it's a two-way street. You want your man to lead you in Christ and Christ, and, and, and the man wants the woman to be submissive to the man, and it's a two-way street where they meet each other, and the truth is the woman would never be able to be the submissive woman to her husband and submit to him. If she never allows him to be him. If she never gives him space to be the man of God. If she never lets him flap his wings and fly. If she never lets him take charge. There are some marriages right from when I say I do, the woman just takes over. And you're like, what happened to the man in that marriage? And then the woman complains about, well, my man is the biggest sissy in the world. And then you meet with those women and say, well, you turned them into the biggest sissy in the world. You never let him flap his wings. There's nothing wrong with sitting with your husband today after church and say, I want you to start leading this family as a man. I'm sorry that I've never let you flap your wings. I give you the ability to do so. I'm going to take a step back. And there's nothing wrong with the man to tell the woman, well, this is why I've lacked in leading you in the way that Christ led the church. Because I really struggle with the way that you do this, this, and that, and I felt... My wings were cut off. It's a two-way street. And men, we have a responsibility here, and that is you love her the way that Christ loved us, the church. And that is so strong because the way that he loved us was he gave up his life for us. And he did this for one reason, to present her this holy, beautiful, without fault, beautiful woman. I don't want in 10, 15 years from now when my first child, which I'm, I'm speaking into my wife's belly, and I'm trying to say it's a son, and she's trying to say it's a daughter and all that. 
but it's good. Whatever it is, we'll be happy. But I don't want when my son is 20 years old, he looks back at mom and dad's relationship. And he says, man, my dad really sucked. And man, my mom really sucked. Me and my wife fight just like you and your wife fight. So don't try to judge me. You can get out of here with that lie right now, man. We'll end service right now. You all fight, liars. <laughs> but you better believe when my son turns 15 and 20 years old. I don't want my son, when they say, can you draw a picture of your family? When he's maybe even in kindergarten, first grade. Maybe he's in college, finishing up his college career at 21. That he draws two people divided. I said, what is that? Well, that's my mom over here, and that's my dad over here. How come they're not together? Because at home, they never sleep together. Have you ever seen your mom and dad give a kiss to one another? I've never seen it in my life. That's sad, man. When was the last time that your own child, yo, that's sick. No, kiss your wife in front of your son and your daughter. I mean, be careful how you kiss them, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it becomes nasty, but... <laughs> that would be sickening, but be on the news. <laughs> but I want, and I'd say this to like my buddy Philip, we talk a lot and, and we talk about family. And I always say even to him as well, I say this, I say, uh, I want my daughter to look at me and say, I want to marry a man like him. That's my desire. Like, I, I, first off, I'm going to marry my daughter. Not I'm marrying her, but I'm going to marry, I'm going to officiate in the marriage. And I want her in her vows to say, I married you because you reminded me the most of my father. I know that sounds sickening, but you get what I'm saying. Because I want her to see the way I love mom. I want her to see that, yes, I love you, baby, but I never love you more than I love mom. And mom's role, yes, I love you, son and daughter, but I never loved you more than I love dad. That's hard because... For you women that have given birth to children, you're like, dude, it's hard to love him more than to love this baby that came out of my womb. But I always tell people this, they're about to get married. God never created you to be one with your child. God always created you to be one with your husband and with your wife. One ship is never you and your child. That's just nasty. One ship is between you and your spouse. So when they draw the picture, are they drawing you divided? with the stars and the at sign and the question marks because there's bad words coming out of your mouth and this is what they do every day at home. Or they draw a picture of mom and dad next to each other with a heart colored in, in red. That when they ask, son, what does this mean? You could say, there's not a day that I went home that mom and dad did not love each other. So have you ever heard them fight? Yes, a lot. But man, I always saw them make up in front of the family. You know what one of the worst things, and I'm not even a father yet, but I, this is what I believe. And these are things I'm gonna put into my future family. I think one of the worst things is not to fight in front of your children, but to not make up in front of your children. I think that if you fight in front of your children, show your children the greatest makeup that they could, again, <laughs> a line. <laughs> line, draw the line. But you show your child and teach them that mom and dad knows how to make things right. We love each other at the end of the day. Ready? And son, daughter, this is for better or for worse. I don't give up on him. That's a blessing, amen? In the same way husbands, you to love your wives, verse 28 says, 
you love your wives as you love your own bodies. Some of you husbands, we're not even going to touch that subject. But some of you guys look good. Amen. <laughs> just play. Just playing. Come on, man. Let's laugh a little bit. We're having a good time. You guys are so serious today. Husbands, you love your wives as you love your own body. Think about that. You've ever gone home and said, I want some tea of poison. No. You want to live. You want to take care of yourself. You don't poison yourself little by little. You don't. If you do, then come right after service and talk to me. I want to talk to you before you overdose on poison. But what do you do? You take care of your body, right? When you see you're getting overweight, you start eating less. You start exercising more. When you see that you have sleep in your eye, you take it off. I know my wife loves me because every time I have sleep in my eye, she says, Rigo, you have a big eye booger in your eye. I'm like, which eye is it? She always goes and takes it out. That's the part we also say, ah, all right, cool. But, but watch this. You wake up and you know you have this nasty breath. What do you do? You brush your teeth. You wash it off. Some of you even floss. Amen to that. <laughs> but the truth is, is you love your body. You don't want to go to work with that nasty breath, with that crazy hairdo, and with those boogers in your eye. So many, so many of you, because I've heard from your spouses, you drool like a maniac. And you don't want that dry drool on your face to go to work with that big dry drool. Right? Yeah, that's nasty, I know. <laughs> and then you go to work and say, what's up with that thing in your face? That's just dry milk. It spilled. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> None of you want that. You love yourself too much. You wipe off the dry drool. You wipe off the boogers. You put some gel in your hair. You fix your teeth all up. You get dressed up. You gas up and you go out. Scripture says, husbands, you, you love your wives the same way you love your bodies. Watch this because Nancy does real good at letting me know when I'm not paying attention. And I'm not perfect and I need to grow as a man. I know that. But there's so many times where I'm paying attention to myself, to myself, to myself, to myself. And my wife's like, you haven't even noticed me. And I'm like, you know, I try to fight back with pride and all that. But she does a good job reminding me. Any husbands with me? All right. That's the time you're allowed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes we, we, we neglect the wife. But wife, don't be like, yes, I thank you so much, Rigo, for sharing this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wife, you neglect your husband so much in the things that he needs. Yeah, you do. What is he really complaining about every day? Maybe he needs it. Husbands, what is she complaining about every day? Maybe she needs it. Cleaning the car. My wife is, is on me this week for cleaning the car. Labor Day day. It's Monday. We're going to clean the car. And if but what's happening here? She's showing me what she what, what? What she needs. I could meet that need. Or I could just wash it off and care more about myself. Wives, it's the same thing with your husband. Do not neglect one another. Watch this. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds it. He cares for it, kind of like what I was telling you about. And, and look at this. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. Are you guys watching this? Are you guys listening to this kind of stuff? Listen, you don't choke the life out of your spouse, man. You don't choke the life even out of your children. Listen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Ready? Ready? I'm going to blow your mind. Here it is. Ready? Your spouse should be your greatest helper, your greatest confidant, the other voice that leads you and helps you to become the best you. Amen. 
If your husband and your wife is not that voice that is leading you to become the best you, then something went wrong. There's not a day that I wake up that I wake up my wife. Uh, this is weird. I know you're a man, but chill. And, and I go like this. And she's like, she's, I wake up a little bit earlier than her. And she's like, what, Regal? And I'm like, how do I look? Okay? How do I look? You're going to wake me up again this morning for that? Let me tell you why. Ready? Because if my wife tells me I look good, that's good enough for me. She's my greatest helper, my greatest confidant, and the greatest voice. The minute that my wife says, ask her, that doesn't look good on you. I take off the shirt. Well, why? Even though yesterday she told me a shirt looked good on me and I got mad and I put it out. It's too big on me and I didn't wear it. But most of the time, whenever she says something looks good on me, I wear it. Why? Because she is my greatest confidant, the voice that I know that she's not going to send me out to humiliate me. Now, I got some friends of mine that if I ask them, how do I look? They'll say, you look awesome. And then I'll go to work or I'll go to school where I work at or I'll go out with my friends. And I'll say, what are you wearing? And I'll be like, homeboy told me I look good. You mean he's lying to me? And then they're laughing at that. See, I got some friends like that, but I got a wife that will be honest, that will be a great confident that would be a helper in my biggest need and spouses you need that in one another she needs to push you and you need to push her when there's a booger in her eye tell her there's a booger in her eye and when there's some mucus dripping out of his nose you tell him there's a mucus dripping out of his nose you don't make him look like a fool and you don't make her look like a fool you're each other's greatest friends you're each other's greatest helpers in jesus name amen and that is so important the better you is through them. Look at verse 31. It makes 28 possible. Here it is. Scripture says this. A man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. One. This is a beautiful scripture. Why? You're a team. You're in this together. You are not separate. You are not two different individuals in this thing called marriage. You are one, just as we and Christ are one, just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. You are joined to your wife. You are joined to your husband. You are joined to that family. You've been united into one, and you are in this marriage for better or for worse. Some of you wives are like, but what if my husband doesn't want to? That's a meeting. Let's set up a meeting. If you're that wife, we'll set up a meeting. There's some things, okay? Notice how I'm preaching this. The husband needs to do his role. The husband needs to do his role. So if you're a wife and say, yeah, but my husband is not, that's a different, we'll meet about this. I'm talking about Christian husbands and wives right now. And maybe you're a husband that's here, but my wife doesn't, doesn't submit. She has nothing to do with God. That's a meeting between me and you. Schedule a meeting. Some of you, your marriages are falling apart. I've never met with you once. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to save your marriage, but I could pray for you and help you and meet with you and lead you to places where you could get some help if I can't help you. you are you guys with me? So I'm talking about the marriages now that are, that are one. Because there are some husbands that are out of it. There are some wives that are out of it. And that's a meeting between me and you. I, I just wanted to clarify that. It just came to me. I know some of you are like, what do I do then? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Verse 32. This is a great mystery. And, I, and as soon as I read that, I wrote this in my notes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is a great mystery for me to understand how me and Nancy, we leave father and mother and now become one. The last name thing, that's, that's symbolic for that. Her name gets gone with and now her name becomes my last name. You brand her. We're, we're one now together. But watch this. Now it's my responsibility to lead her in that name correctly. You see what I'm saying? I did a whole workshop on this about two years ago in one of our retreats. But I don't want to repeat it. But this is so important. It's a great mystery. Yes, it is. This is no joke. Yes, marriage is hard. And yes, it takes a lot from us. But I'm going to tell you something. Ready? It's worth it. 
Men, she's the woman from your rib, like I said earlier. And woman, you're the rib from his rib cage. Amen? Amen? It sounds weird, but yes, it's in Genesis. This union, it's got to last. It's for better and it's for worse. And then it goes on to say this, ready? It says these two are united into one, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. Christ and the church are one. Verse 33. So again, everyone say again. Yeah, you think Paul was trying to make a point? Again, I say to you, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Men, you have a responsibility. Wives, you have a role as well. Fulfill them one to another. Again, I say, he's making a point. You love your wife because it's the most important thing to you. And women, 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 <laughs> women, you respect your husband because he's the greatest thing to you. Can you look at your husband? Can we do an exercise today? Yeah? Some of you guys are going to hate me. I know you're going to, like, can I meet with you after church? But if you can't look at your wife today and say, you're the greatest thing to me, and you can't look at your husband today and say, you're the greatest thing to me, okay, and news alert, there's issue in your marriage. There's issues in your marriage. There's issues in your marriage. Now, ready? Do you want to fix those issues or you want to continue to hide them under the rug and continue to live miserable? Let's get those issues fixed. Can you look at your spouse today and say, you're the greatest thing to me? Can she look at you and say, you're the greatest thing to me? You love each other and you respect each other in private, but you also do it in public. There is no room for disrespect. It harms the other person. It harms your spouse. You respect. You show love. You talk. You fight for your union. You war for your marriage. You don't ever give up, especially one for another. Marriage is so important. If you notice here, marriage is the only thing in Scripture that is compared to Christ and the church. You could open up this Bible, and nothing in this Bible is compared to Christ and the church the way the husband and the wife are. Christ is like, you want to know how big marriage is? It's so big that the only thing that you will find from Genesis to Revelation that is compared to me and my death and my love for the church is you with your wife and you with your husband. That's how big your marriage is. It is the only thing that I compare it to myself and you. When I read that, I'm like, whoa, marriage is a big deal. Marriage is a big deal. You know, that is one of the main reasons why I would never try to hook you up with her. Because I never want to hook you up with the wrong person. I want God to hook you up with her. Because marriage is a big deal, and I ain't putting my hand in it. Marriage is a big deal. Big, big deal. Leaving us to realize that. See, Christ fought for his church, tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the desert by Satan. He, he didn't give in. He fought for her. He was persecuted, ridiculed at times in his ministry, but he never gave up. He fought for her. The beatings, the mockery he took on the cross. He could have given up on the bride. He could have given up on the church. I, he could have said these words. Ready? I don't love her that much. Come on, you've ever been there? Married people? I don't love her that much. I don't love him that much. She, she doesn't deserve for me to get beat up like, like, like this. She doesn't deserve for me to get ridiculed and beat up like this. I don't love her that much. I'm, I think I'm going to doubt her right now. I think I'm going to walk out of this marriage. Jesus didn't do that. He never said, I think it's time to walk out. But he took it. He loved her. He understood his commitment to his bride was important. And he wasn't going to let anything get in the way. Church, you need to listen to this. 
You need to listen to this. He knew that his commitment towards his bride, his serving her, would bring her to her submission unto him. Wow. Man, your commitment to your baby will bring your baby submission unto you. So how are we doing? Anyone here ready to come to the altar call and say for better or for worse? For better or for worse? I'm in this, Pastor Regal. Some stats on marriage. Can I read them to you? So we'll say, yeah. Can I read them to you? All right, thank you. You know, if you would have said no, I probably would have still read them. Just wanted to make sure you said, yeah, all right, here we go. Come on, man. These iPads are dumb sometimes, man. They don't know how to stick. Here we go. Stats on marriage. Ready? The percentage of population that is married is 59% down from 62% in 1990. And in 1970, 72%. So it went from 72% to 59%. Look at marriage. And now I'm almost done. 60% of marriages for couples between the ages of 20 and 25 end up in divorce. 50% of all marriages in which the brides are 25 or older result in a failed marriage. This is not like exactly, but this is an estimate number. Pretty big. I grabbed four quotes from four people um, that I love and, and that I trust, and four people. It was cool. One's a pastor. One's an older person married longer, okay? And another person is someone who's been married for lesser years and even has a child in this lesser years of marriage. So I wanted to go all around, and I grabbed four people that were able to reply back to me. And I said, I, I want to preach this more successfully, so can you answer this question? And I asked them, um, what advice can you give for marriage? What have you learned? What have you not learned? And you you'll see what I asked them once they answer it. One person said this, ready? I know this sounds cliche, but I've made this so real that I can't think of anything else. Both parties to love God and to serve God with all of their hearts. The key is to do it together. It's a good quote. That's what one of my friends wrote to me. Another person wrote this, to keep your love in a state of passion, not routine. That love needs to be passionate in your physical relationship with your wife and your spiritual relationship with the Lord. It's a two-way street. Your relationship with the Lord affects the relationship with your wife. And your relationship with the Lord respects your relationship with your husband. you got to not keep your relationship with the Lord routine, but, but keep it passionate. Keep it hot. Keep it steamy. Same thing uh, with your husband. Same thing with your wife. Another person says, for me, I've had to learn to say I'm sorry. I realize no I issue is worth the peace in our home. And then look what she says. This is a she. Also, divorce is never an option. No matter how much we've... How mad we have been, we have never threatened with that, with that word divorce. Because you know that happens, right? What do you want then? You want a divorce? No, don't ever say that. The enemy comes in. We also have learned not to attack each other personally. Kind of things that I've been talking about. And I have to learn to not disrespect. Notice him. Sometimes we have to take some time to cool off. And then the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love that. She's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Always shows me where I'm wrong. And then I go back to the I'm sorry. Really learning our role as God intended it has allowed us to have a happy home, at least for the most, for the most part. Laugh out loud. But we live in a happy home for the most part. This is actually a marriage that I really look up to in my life. And I'm glad that she was honest with me. And I love this one. It's a relationship that we're working at it cannot be overlooked. We're working at it cannot be overlooked. How are you doing with your marriage? No, just working at it. That can't be overlooked. Or downplayed. It's labor intensive. It's high risk, high reward. Never under any circumstance give up. If you fail at your marriage, you fail God, yourself, your spouse, your kids. The ripple effects will be felt into eternity. I'm a product of that. 
And my dad now serves alongside me with the Lord. And my dad, if he would come up here and take the mic, he'll say the same thing. One of the greatest victories in my life, and my dad could testify of it, and, and we have an awesome relationship now that I could do this, and praise God for that, was at 25 years old or 4 years old, as a man, I wept with tears in my eyes, and I hugged my father, and I said, I forgive you for everything, and I love you, and more importantly, God forgives you, and God loves you. Bob, is that true? At that moment that I was able to confront my hurt, I freed myself from prison, and I was able to establish a love with my father that I've never had before in a long time. I'm a product of that environment, and maybe some of you are. If I ask some of you right now, raise your hand, how many come from broken homes? Probably more than 50% of you will raise your hand. Look at that. I, I didn't even ask you to raise your hand. Many of you are already raising your hand all over the room. And what happens to you, that's all you know. That's all you've learned. And because that's all you know and that's all you've learned, you got to fight even harder in your marriage so that you don't become what your parents have become. Come on, somebody. You guys understand what I'm saying? Very important. You know, some families are already divorced without signing the paper. They're already separated. And maybe you're one of those families today. we got to get that fixed if you guys are both willing to. In Malachi, it says this. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears and you weep and you groan because he, know, he pays no attention to your offerings and he doesn't accept them with pleasure. But you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why. And he says this, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. You've been unfaithful to her. I like one translation. says, you've dealt treacherously. Wow. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows, the wife of your youth. Fight for her. Fight for him. Listen to me. There's no other wife in line. You see a girl that looks good? She's not your wife. You see a guy that looks good? He's not your wife. He told you you look cute today at work? Who cares? He's not your wife. You ignore those words. Men, you ignore that look. She's not, he's not your wife. Amen. There's only one, the wife of your youth. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife, verse 15, in body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Watch this. He wants godly children from your union, he says here. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Married people, married people, married people. Even people that want to get married one day, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Remain loyal to that wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, explanation point, says the Lord. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Guard your heart and do not be unfaithful. I love this. Why? Because you see something here about marriages, all these little key things, but also marriages create family, not only family, but godly children. Are you doing a good job in that? See, that will never happen with wrong treatment towards one another, and that will never happen with divorce. Do it right. Make it right. Raise it right. Amen? Wow, I can't say that again, but you should tweet that. Do it right. Make it right. Raise it right. Your children will remember the days they had with you at home, and I love what one pastor told me as he found out that I was getting married, having a baby with my wife. Me and my wife are having a baby, and he said this to me. He told me, and I wrote it down. He says, your children remember the days that you had with them. Look at this. They will become the product of your home. You only get one chance with them. When they're all grown, you can't have that time back. Fix all the mistakes now. Wow. When my child is in college, I can't have him sit down with them and say, I know for the first 20 years you had a bad experience of dad. It's too late. I can't go rewind, and I'll play it again. Now is my first chance and my only chance to raise up my child right and to show him what a godly marriage is. Young people, 
You only have one chance with your children. Some of you parents, you've messed up with your children. It's not the end. God gives you back the years that you've lost, the locusts of the field that take, right? But you have that one chance with your child, with that youth, with that childhood. Here it is. Some divorce statistics. 40% of children growing up in America are being raised without their fathers. Of all the children born to married parents this year, 50% will experience divorce of their parents before they reach their 18th birthday. Out of 10, 5, out of 20, 10, out of 150 before their 18th birthday without parents at home. Of all the children born to married parents this year, or I read that one, teenagers in single-parent families and in blended families are three times more likely to need psychological help within a given year. Compared to children from homes disrupted by death, children from divorced homes have more psychological problems. A study of children six years after a parental marriage breakup revealed that even after all this time, these children tended to be lonely, unhappy, anxious, insecure. Children of divorced parents are roughly two times more likely to drop out of high school than their peers who benefit from living with parents who do not divorce. I'm not saying that it's the end, but I'm telling you, man, there's whole parents. You could do it. I'm telling you that I come from a product, and I'm a pastor. My mom, yesterday with my wife, we were at Publix, and, and my mom, you told, and I'm going to end. I'm going to ask the worship team just to get ready to, to close off, and I'm done. But my mom was sharing a story, and she said, you know, when Regal was in, in Little League, check this out, when, when Regal was in Little League baseball and basketball, he would cry after every game. And here she is telling my wife that. I'm like, mom, shut up. <laughs> Tell her how I used to hit home runs. Tell her how I used to dunk the ball at eight years old, you know. But she tells my wife the truth yesterday at Publix. And she said, you know, Regal used to cry at home, um, cry when he would get in the car. He just had a Little League baseball game, and he would cry, Mom. I don't remember this, by the way. She might be lying. But, okay? I don't know if my dad remembers this. You guys are probably lying, but I, I probably never did this. But my mom says that I used to finish the baseball game and cry, Mom, I stink. I can't. I'm no good at baseball. Everyone's better than me. I can't hit the ball. I can't get the ball. I'm no good. I used to get off the basketball court. Mom, I stink. I'm not a good basketball player. And my mom used to look at me in the car and say, Rigo, I don't remember this. She said, Rigo, you don't understand. God is going to give you something that you're going to be the best at what you do. And, and, and I didn't think about, I think about that now. And she says, Nancy, I would have never thought, my mom said, that Regal would have been able to speak the way he speaks today. With boldness and the way that he does. He goes, I knew that God had something totally different for him. I'm, I'm trying to tell you something because maybe there's some people here from a product like I was a product of. It's not over. Dry the eyes. Lift up the chest. Walk worthy and say, maybe my marriage ended or maybe my marriage is separated. But watch this. But with Christ's strength, my children will not be one of these statistics. I'm going to raise my child and we're going to prove the world wrong. My God is greater. You're talking to a product of that. If you would have asked me at that young age, I would have been a, a pastor, married with a child coming. I would have been like, not me. That probably would have never happened. And I would have told you that high as a kite, bloodshot eyes, smelling like alcohol maybe. But God changed this, man. Even though I was a product of a divorce, I now become a product of his grace. And your child can go from a product of hardship to a product of his godship. A product of divorce to a product of grace and say, it's because he is that they became what they are today. So maybe you're not married and maybe some things went down. God can do it. There's God's grace for you. How many of you could say amen?
Colossians says, wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for husbands. You love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And look at this, children, even you, you obey your parents in everything that you do. For this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Whatever you do, verse 23, you work heartily. You do it well. Hey, guys, you're married? Do it well. Work heartily at it. Put your hand to the plow, baby. Don't look back. Work hard at it. Work hard at it. Work hard, work hard, work hard at it. Why do I work hard in it? Because it pleases the Lord, it says. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Listen. In your marriage, in your raising your children, Colossians 3, verse 24 says this. You are serving the Lord Christ in your marriage. You are serving the Lord Christ in raising your children. Watch verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done. And there is no partiality. You're doing marriage wrong? Let's start doing it right, baby. You're raising your children wrong? Let's start doing it right. Let's start doing it right. Let's start doing it right. One of the worst things that I've experienced as a kid was sleeping at my friend's house. And it was all those boys from Little League Baseball. I'm trying to look at the age group around here. And we're in the living room. And my friend's dad puts on cable TV. And he gets to the channels that a young man should not be watching. And you guys you could use your imagination, right? You know what channel I'm talking about. And he says, boys... This is what it's about. Today you're becoming a man. We're watching actions that young children should not be actions. But that was the father's way of raising his child. I'm going to make you a man. Here's some condoms. I'm going to make you a man. Watch this on TV. I'm going to make you a man. Flip through this magazine. That does not make him a man. That does not make him a man at all. To watch those things, to give him those things, all it does is pervert his pure mind. A man is this. A man is the one that says, son, let's read the word of God together. And let's see what the Lord says about this. Son, you feel a certain way? You feel like your passions are taking over? And you feel like having sex before marriage? Well, let's pray together. And let's come in a union of fasting. And let's see what the Bible says about your future wife. And how you should start behaving. I promise you that that son is going to look up to that father that brings him up in the ways of the Lord. Than the father that brings him up in the ways of porn. I'm telling you today that God is calling some men. And God is calling some women to love one another as husband and wife. And to raise their children in a godly way. It is time to fight for our families. It is time to fight for our marriages. This is for better or for worse. We're in this together. Stand up, please. Matthew says this. In the same way. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.
It is time for some marriages to shine the glory of God. It is time for some families to shine the glory of God so that they may give glory to the Father who is in heaven. It is time to fight. It is time to make war. It is time to say, wife, I will not let go of you. Husband, I will not surrender and let go of you. Children, we're going to raise you right. I'm in this for better or for worse. Let's make it happen. Let's do it for goodness sakes. Let's sing. Let's worship. Worship the Lord. Let's worship. All hands raised. Let's worship. 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 You shouldn't need me to pep rally. You shouldn't need me to pump you up. You shouldn't need me to